Hello and welcome to a very corporate looking Badger Watch today as we are recording in our lunch breaks. Last week was an extraordinary week for us, I think, generally, as a lot of points were scored, which means that Bears Badgers are still top and that he is the first to break 20,000 points as he's on 21,240. I think that's a little jump up for Hughes' team. Brian May saved the Badgers on 19,015. The Chevalier is the third on 18,899. And Spanish chumps are less of a chumps this year, this week, sorry, as we've got 15,000 points, which I think is probably the highest points increase um, we've had, but I'm still bottom. So, how many, how many points did you get, Spanish? I got just under 3,000. Maybe. Who, who I, those? I had Big Sam Northeast in my team. Record, well, record, he wasn't a record breaker in Sam's points. He didn't get all the records, did he? But that was an extraordinary week. Um, yeah, dominated by Sam Northeast, 410. Um, then I think no one else in my team got any points, as usual. Um, to be honest, Sam, have you been thinking about giving Sam Northeast the axe? Because yes, but Miles great. Hammond got the axe this week and he actually scored 150 in the second innings um so that was a terrible decision but yeah i nearly i did nearly get rid of sam northeast but blind not that i knew him at school but blind schoolboy loyalties meant that i kept him in the team <laughs> luckily um who else went well for everyone else though and Duckett, the man the myth the legend no point pouring this week 200 of the queen's runs and a, and a runner ball and my captain so uh Oh. A lovely performance from Ben. I think I got about 1,200 points from him as captain. Oh, that's extraordinary. Who else went well? We all had Simon Harmer. He went okay, didn't he? Um, anyone else? Chev? Uh, I'm just trying to think. I had a poor week. I, th I definitely had a worse score of all of us. Um, uh, just over 1,700, um, which wasn't uh, great, but also explains why uh, Brian May is all of a sudden above me. Um, but yeah, I think who was the best scoring I think it was Pujara in the end, even though uh, Hugh did everything possible to get him out uh, on, at every possible point during his innings. But um, uh, yeah, I think that's the only one really who, who scored some points from me. Everyone else was just bloody average, really, or below. <laughs> if um, if I had the uh, if I still had twenty um, subs uh, trades left, I would have probably subbed at least half of them out this week uh, for underperforming. But yeah, it is what it is. And Howard, you are actually fourth. Your team? Are you fourth in the all-time? Third, Spen. Third. Gone. Who's done well for you then? Well, I had Duckett and Pajara, and then Ingram got hundred. Vince got ninety-five. Brooke Guest got hundred. So it was a very solid across the board. I think only only Zafar Gohar failed this week. He was the only one less than one hundred and fifty points. I think, um, but the rest of them all did pretty well. Toby Rowland Jones got wickets and a quick eighty-five. That is right. Well. So Bears Badgers are in the top overall team of cricket11.com. Now, if there's any justification for us doing a podcast about cricket11.com, then probably that is it. That is extraordinary. And we were the first league, aren't we? Our league was top. league position this week, yeah. Amazing. That if that amazing. doesn't pull the listeners in, nothing will. <laughs> what were the, um... We did collectively have pretty much all the batters that got big runs. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what out of that? I mean, if we touch on that Glamorgan game, I think probably to start because it was not only extraordinary in terms of Northeast breaking or matching records, and also um, Chris Cook obviously got a double hundred as well. But that, I mean, that was a 
a win as well because it's a flat road. It means a flat deck. Leicester got 580. Glamorgan got obviously nearly 800, 795. And then they bowled Leicester out. Is it the last session on Saturday? I think they had five overs left. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really, that's a, I mean, I, I think I read on Crick Info that Matt Roller asked Northeast if um, he thought about going for the 500 and he had a conversation with Chris Cook about it and they sort of thought, actually, let's try and win the game, which is, is pretty selfless, actually. It's pretty good. And um, no, one, no one will remember in 10 years' time that they won the game, but they'd remember forever if they got 500. I know, but I think, I mean, Northeast is very... He was very good in the in all the interviews, being like, you know, it's obviously extraordinary and it's amazing, but it's great we've got the win as well. He always put that in there. So um a justification maybe for Sam Northeast that they did they did declare. Gets the promotion, which they've given themselves a great shot at now. They're up to second. This will be the one they look back on as the as the game they, they turned it around, I think, having conceded five eighty on first innings to, to then come away with a win when other teams like Middlesex or promotion chasing had a similar opportunity perhaps against Sussex but got held up. Yeah, exactly. you say you say promotion though. The ECB still hasn't said what the format of next year's tournament is going to be. Could be three pools of six potentially, or a pool of ten with two pools of four. They still haven't. They still haven't given any guidance, so it's it's difficult. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, but is uh, what is is it currently? Two teams go up at the moment. If we were to play normal rules, like two teams from the, or one team goes up and one team goes down, is that normal? There's no, there's no real normal at the moment because we've been, we've had a couple of years of Bob Willis Trophy, and I think the the last promotion and relegation cycle, I think we moved from two blocks of nine to a first division of ten and a second tier of eight. So I think three, three came up, one went down, um, and then we've had a, a couple of years of, of Bob Willis. So Willis, I'm yeah. not sure if there is a standard template at the moment. Okay, okay, and um, fair enough. And what other games were did anyone see that were particularly interesting? Just trying to look now at the results. Six came second at the Oval, sadly. Yeah, that is a big sort of badger watch head-to-head, isn't it? What happened in that game? Will Jacks was the difference with Surrey trailing by, I'd say, probably 30 or 40. Jacks was batting nine down with, I, I didn't, I can't remember who the Surrey number 11 was, but Jacks just went ballistic. I think he hit something like eight sixes and went from a 30-run deficit to a 40-run lead. And um, then Surrey bowled well again to bowl Essex out and, and knocked them off. So kudos to, to Surrey. They look a, a very decent side. And you have to say it's their, probably their title to lose. Oh, here he goes. Come on. Let's lay off that. Too early in the season. For, for, that. Uh, for the, list, the listeners who are just joining, there's this thing that we have amongst us called Cheving. And it always seemed to be a couple of years ago when Chev said that anyone was doing well, the next ball they would get out. Or if they were getting... If they weren't getting any wickets, he'd say he's doing really badly. The next thing he knows, they're getting wickets. And that's what we alluded to earlier when we're trying to get Pajara out. He was he was complimenting Pajara on the WhatsApp group, no end, and he wasn't getting him out. But yeah, I think now that you've said that, Hugh, it'll be interesting to yeah. see if we lose. Well, Hampshire are very much on the charge, so uh, we'll see. But yeah, so, sorry, in pole position with five games left. We'll see. I find that, I mean, just on that Will Jacks innings, the highest next score was 29 by Kemar Roach. I find I always find that extraordinary how you can have that and then suddenly one batter just finds it more easy than the others. It seems a bit ridiculous. I mean, did he just go? Did he just decide he was going to play a different way to everyone else? Or well, he he really went for it late when he was just batting with nine, ten, eleven. Did he? Uh, so they were one hundred and twelve for seven. Sorry, he came off him. And he, I mean, he, I think he came in six and had batted fairly cautiously for a while, and then when yep. um, when a few more wickets started, fairly decided to put his foot down, and then that last wicket partnership was worth. As Hugh says, I think 60 or 70-odd, uh, of which Dan Worrell got one. So that was when 
the majority of those sixes were hit. Similar similar to Essex's first innings, in, insofar as Rossington played a, a good counter-attacking 100 from number seven, I think, six or seven. Uh, so, uh, unusual game in both first innings followed a very similar pattern. Looking good signing Rossington, actually, isn't he, for, uh, for Essex. Um, the other week, the other game, actually, that we mentioned was Lancashire scrapped pretty hard, didn't they, for a win? Um, North Ants going 2-3-5. Then Lancashire got bowled out in the first innings, 132, and then they come back to win, which is pretty good. They then bowled North Ants out, and then it's a pretty good run chase. You had Bahannon. Did you did you think about bringing Bahannon in, Hugh, or you didn't? No, no, not me. Not me. No. Fair enough. Not, well, he, got he got 100, which was good. Um, that's a good chase. I mean, otherwise, I don't think any other sort of... I think it was probably a, a noteworthy performance for them to to turn Warwickshire over, having been reduced to something like 30 for five on the first morning. I think 43 for five they were. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Hannon Dalby took the first five wickets and yeah. turned that around for their only their second win of the season. So that was quite a good win for them and puts them more mid table in in Div One now. So it gives them a bit of breathing space. Yeah, that's right. Na- Navdeep Saini is he an under the radar signing overseas? He is, yeah, Indian seam bowler. Yeah, absolutely. So that, and then Billings got, the, would he get a record or something? Six catches in the innings? Yeah, well, 12 in the match, I think. Oh, the game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, very good. Very good. I, I think it's interesting. We've seen a couple of Indian overseas pros. I say a couple. We've seen more than a couple this year. Where in the last couple of years, there's been Pujara and perhaps not that many other of the, the global superstars with IPL experience and seeing... Yeah. Sundar coming over for Lancashire, mm-hmm. Saini uh, at Kent. I wonder if it's something we might see a bit more of as perhaps the BCCI realised that there's a finishing school that seems to be ready and waiting to, to improve everyone else's players um, in the Kansas Championship. So I wonder if we'll see a few more, few more Indian players. That's right. Do you, do you think the um, think the county championship is looked... I mean, I have no idea on this, and maybe no one else does, but do we know if it's looked upon by other um, boards as being sort of the premier first class competition where they can sort of send people to like that or to me it's the only one that's sort of it's, it's the one of note obviously because we were from the UK and all that sort of stuff but I, don't, I can't really think of any other competitions that are looked at as intensively but I think it's the most open for overseas players it's the most transparent market there's the most teams looking to hire overseas players with budgets to do so the Australian system very very rarely takes on overseas players yeah um and, and actually, it's, I, I think the, the Aussies have always looked at it as a bit of a finishing school because you have that such a volume of first-class cricket that really um, enables young players to, to find their feet at first-class level in such a short time. So, um, yeah, I think it's a combination of factors that, that makes it so appealing. Yeah. It's got a great history to it, hasn't it? Centuries of world-class cricketers have played first-class cricket in, in the UK in the county championship. And I think yeah. people are still drawn to that. Yeah, good point, actually. Um, and then I think the, the uh, another game note, actually, just looking at it, it looked like Sussex and Middlesex were battling out for the draw. Old Steve Finn faces 68 balls for 10 not out. Um, for the wall. Yeah, that must have, I would have loved to have been a little fly on the stumps, maybe, at the old um, stick that he may or may not have been getting from his ex-teammates. Um, but as you, as you said, I think that... That probably is that. Does that put a little bit of dent into promotion, a potential promotion for Middlesex, or at least? Yeah, it does. I think they they yeah. sort of gave themselves a a look, having conceded five twenty 
their first innings, they got they got pretty close with Pujara and then reduced Sussex to I think about 100 for seven or something second second inning. So they gave themselves a, a bit of a look, but couldn't couldn't quite get over the line. But yeah, that they did lose some ground. Yeah, I just looked. So they've actually leapfrogged Middlesex, haven't they? Who are on 152 points now, 160 points, not far behind Notts, who we said the other week that it's theirs to theirs to lose in terms of promotion battles, but. Um, just on the, I, I suppose the big thing that I've had on my mind this week was if you look at something like Sam Northeast, I'm not sure. I mean, it's against. I don't want to take anything away from from a from a four score five hundred and ten because that's extraordinary. But um, you think about he's probably one of the the guys in the in the team to in the in, in the first class scene to probably be select not to be set for England. One of the better players is that who else comes to mind for all of you guys in terms of the best players not to have been selected for England in the uh-huh. late in the, in, the, in the last. I'm not going to say all time because you've got your other people there, but maybe in the last sort of five years. But 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 is he? Is his record that good over the last few years? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was listening to the Great Cricketer Pod the other day about uh, Northeast, and they had uh, Vish on from Crick Info, who used to do the podcast with Northeast. And oh, yeah, in the, yeah. COVID, in, the, in the COVID year, hmm. they did that COVID squad for all the formats. So basically, had three different squads. He wasn't effectively in England's top fifty-six cricketers. It's I mean, true. That is a brutal kick in the teeth for someone of his quality. But you know, is is he at that level? Are there other better, more consistent players out there than him? Yeah, to I open, think to open it up. it's a good point because actually his four hundred and ten took him past a thousand runs in the calendar year this year, obviously. So that, which means he didn't have the most amount of runs going, I suppose, um, before that. Um, Chev, you were laughing away there. What were you giggling about? Well, I just thought I just saw a few uh, statements coming. Uh, coming our way again after last week's um, assessment of an individual. But um, uh, no, I think the Northeast is fairly straightforward. I mean, he's had one great game uh, that doesn't make a great season. Uh, so uh, for him, it's, you know, it's, it's good that uh, he, he's, had, he's got that under his belt. Now, I hope for him that he will continue uh, to deliver a few good results. I also hope that he does for you because... You stuck with him uh, throughout, where everyone else had already moved on. Um, so you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's um, hopefully he's got he's going to have a good September. Let's put it that way, because I don't think he's he's had a particularly outstanding season. It's strange how the system works in terms of the, the game that we play here and how he is just has just shot up the rankings after one good game. But that's just the way it works. So. Well done, you, uh, for actually uh, bringing up your total to an acceptable level for this. <laughs> uh, and thanks, Jim. Uh, as Jeff thanks. said, North Northeast is now the leading point scorer in the in the entire game, um, off the back of that one innings where that innings was worth thirteen hundred points, which yeah. more more than doubled his season's tally to that point. Yeah. Fair enough. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of openers the other day who haven't been selected, but actually, nearly every single opener in the English County game has sort of been selected for England. So it's quite difficult to think about other players who haven't, but is there anyone else apart from... There, wasn't he, Spen? Say again? Chris Dent. I think Chris, I think Chris Dent, I did use him. He's had not, the, he had a good start to the season. And I actually think, I said, we had an argument in the earlier, the early, one of the early episodes, didn't we? And it was sort of like, I don't think I was arguing for Chris Dent to be selected for England, but I was just saying his record isn't as bad as other people's who's has. Um, but I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of other, I mean, Daryl Mitchell maybe is another opener that was another, but he again wasn't as consistent as, as everyone may be. I don't know if there's anyone else. Who's, James Hildreth always comes to mind. Um, it, just, it just feels like you're just being a bit of a, a nice guy. And, um, you know, you're, you want to give everyone a chance, but there's, 
you know, we only need one or two good players in there. Um, uh, and I think a lot of them, if, if they've got one or two good games, that doesn't, you know, we've, we've had conversations in the past about how difficult it is to find the right player and develop them and actually get them moving up to, up to that international level. Uh, so, yeah, them just having a couple of good games in a row at county level is not necessary. I mean, Burns have done really well for a, a couple of seasons with, with yeah. good run scoring. And, you know, he was looked at for a little while, fell, obviously fell away again. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, I think it takes a bit more than just uh, Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> but, I, but the argument there, though, is that the ECB actually have selected quite a few people um, to try, you know, there has been a bit of a um, sort of circus wheel of people coming in and out of the team. Um, so what are, what are we saying? There's not, there's not anyone who's obviously has been a bit hard done by, by the ECB and not being selected in the squad. Or is there anyone else? Bowlers, batters, all rounders, keepers? You mentioned Bain last week. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Hugh, sorry, I misheard that. I was talking. I said Keith Barker. We both said it at the same time. But yeah, Keith Barker, what a cricketer. First class, first class batting average ahead of his bowling average. You know, genuine all rounder potentially, but I arguably doesn't quite have that pace to be a bowler at test level, I don't know. Um, but would be, I don't know how old Keith Barker is now, would must be 32, 33, but. Yeah, must be within. Must have been very hard to ask Sam Curran as an inferior bowler, inferior batter, though. Um, possibly. possibly. What about someone like Jamie Porter, Sam Cook? You've mentioned them before, Hugh. Are they not quite quick enough? I think it's the same thing again. Porter was very close. He was in a couple of squads and didn't quite, didn't quite make it. Um, yeah. I think they're, 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 they're both of that same. You need a bit more pace in Test cricket is the theory, I think, from management. Um, Cook seems to have outgrown Porter as a, as a nip bowler. Um, but it was only by an injury that he went on the last Lions tour of Australia. So... Maybe maybe they will start start looking at him again. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not with these balls. Who knows? <laughs> there it is. Ball bingo. We're back. Um, yeah, I suppose. I suppose the other one I was thinking of as well is I always think the ECB they don't ever select people when they're having a good run of form. I like Burns. I think was quite a good like an obvious point there. Like he had a couple of really good seasons, and it's almost like let's not select them up until. Like they've really proved it, and no one's like Chev said. Maybe no one's really proven the fact they can go back to back to back in the seasons. But then, like when they select them, it's always when they're having a bit of a loss of form. I think Scott Borthwick was an interesting one. Um, I suppose he actually has he had one cap wonder, isn't he? Actually, so that's maybe a, a moot point. What the spinners have we got in the, on the circuit who haven't played yet for England? There's not a lot out there. I was looking this morning to see if I could get another spinner into into the side. Yeah, the, the cupboard is bare for. British-born or British-qualified spinners that haven't been picked yet. Um, I've had Liam Patterson-White in my side for most of the year because he yeah. does, does that as well. But he's not blown blown the season apart. He's done a good job, but I think his role is very much a containing finger spinner to, yeah. to let the seamers rotate, um, of which Nottinghamshire have many. Um, but Bess has been has been capped, um, yeah. who's playing some more at Yorkshire. But you know, if if you haven't got an overseas spinner, Gloucestershire, Essex do. There's, there doesn't seem to be a lot of young spinners coming through and, and learning that craft. And then one you do have at, at Lancashire and Parkinson gets gets bumped out of the way by by the Indian overseas and Sunder who bowls 30 overs compared to his five. So it doesn't really help our spinners develop, does it? Our cricket. Yeah, I, I had Alex Thompson of Derbyshire as mine. He isn't selecting the squad this week, so I tried to get another spinner in. Um, 
And I've got Danny Briggs of Warwickshire in. I'm not convinced he's going to go terrifically well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Kerrigan is back. He got a few wickets the other day, but he's not world class. He's, you know, Dom, that is really disappointing, isn't it? Don Bess and uh, Parkinson as well. Like, you know, you, you're you've moved counties to bowl these overs or you're trying to bowl these overs and then suddenly an overseas comes in, maybe. Yeah, maybe. The, yeah, interesting. I don't know. The cupboard is, seems a little bit there, but I'm not sure. Well, if, I'm, I've, got, I've got the top wicket takers in the league this year. Yeah. Or in Div 1, at least. Harmer, obviously, because he's the best spinner in the world, is top. Um, yeah. But then it goes, the next uh, seven are all seamers. Then Dom Bess, I think, is uh, is seventh or eighth. Uh, then it's another five, six, seven, seven seamers before you get to Parkinson with 25. So two more down, you've got Dawson, and then it's only down to Rob Keogh. So I'd say in the top 25 bowlers, you've got four spinners, of which three are English qualified. Bess, Parkinson, and Dawson. All of which have been tried and... yeah. yeah. Guarded. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 a good point you raise because I mean the the pitches and we're well, not the pitches generally, but the county championship should be a breeding ground for all these types of players to be getting overs in and stuff like that. And I think the fact that um, they're not bowling the overs really in the county championship, it means it must there has to be something done really, doesn't there, with the championship on how we can promote these. But we've been saying this for the last five years haven't we since Graham Swan retired we're like where's the next person coming from and I don't think we've really ever again we haven't really solved that issue it's another issue for the those higher up to to probably try and solve um got some bad news. it's eight years since Swan retired we've had we've had Mo and Ali who yep. um by yep. his own admission wasn't a first choice didn't really feel confident as a first choice spinner would rather be a second spinner yeah um but actually I think a very good spin ball someone who actually spun the ball yeah um and getting up the stats for div two it's exactly the same story it's fast and white and salter are the only two in the top 15 that are spinners i think i think if we if we go back on last week's topic of conversation the the one day game i think is a little bit to do with that i think the fact that we prioritize 2020 and odi cricket means that basically the best spinners in those formats are containers aren't they they're the guys who contain the over rates and don't really go for many runs, um, which means you probably end up not really trying to put as much flight on the ball as you normally would. And therefore you sort of end up being a, a guy, who it varies his pace in the one day game and bowls darts and then having to try and learn your craft as a sort of flight and guile spinner in a test series, uh, in, a, in, a, in the first class series, sorry, and then the test match is probably not doing too too well. Because a lot of us, a lot of those spinners are very good one day spinners, aren't they? Those guys that that, that play, um, that have bowled. Yeah, but again, if you, look at, if you look at the T20 leagues worldwide and think yeah. about the spinners that have the best economy rates, they are yeah. the likes of Rashid Khan, Sunny Onorain, the, the guys that are, a, there are a bit X factor, mystery spin, yeah. as we call it, um, where, You'd, you'd back them to go pretty well in first class as well as uh, oh, yeah. as, as T20 stuff. I think the, the the spinners you're talking about, say, take Briggs, who's played a few one-day games for England, yeah. does, uh, I think, bowl it, goes up when he's under pressure, bowls it a bit flatter, a bit quicker, yeah. and can can do a job, but you're really just then bowling sort of slow seamers, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. That's the point, isn't it? Another one for Rob Key to fix, or whoever he reports to. Um <laughs> I think, I think that just to go back to flat pitches and, and bad balls again, that yeah. is a better environment for spinners to be coming through because they're going to be chucked the ball more compared to the last couple of years. So we almost need five years of this. We need 
five years of probably a little bit of global warming, less rain, um, and Duke's to continue with this dodgy ball, and um, we'll have the next Simon Harmer. What is it then, Hugh? What is that that Harmer is doing or can do that the rest of the spinners on the circuit aren't? Is it his flight? Is it the amount of revs that are on the ball? What what helps? Obviously, the pitch is helpful. What is what makes him able to exploit it and get the wickets he does? Because he's he's a spinner who bowls very orthodox, isn't he? I would say. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have a a Roman, so to speak. But Simon Harmer, I mean, Howard, you've got that photo with him. How tall is he? Six foot four, six foot five. Uh, just slightly below me, slightly just off my shoulder. So let's say six two. <laughs> six two. Okay, so he's tall. We'll we'll leave it at that. But he's got hands the size of buckets. They're ginormous. His hands, um, which enables him uh, to put a lot more revs on the ball, and he he actually really spins it like a leg spinner in terms of revs. From that height, it's easier to get that that flight because he doesn't have to throw it up to come down. It's coming over the top and coming down. So he gets um, overspin because of the action he puts on it, which gets it to dip, but it's dipping from height. And so with that overspin, he also gets bounced. And what I've, what I've noticed in the last couple of weeks, having watched a bit of the live streams, uh, where I can and work permits, um, teams, when they've gone after him, have had a lot more success against Desix than when they've tried to play him conventionally because he, he's often bowling with a, a leg slip and a bat pad to a right-hander and they are in the game the whole time he's bowling because he's looking for gloves, he's looking for, for that little nudge off the hip. Um, and against left-handers, he's, he's an absolute handful because he's just turning it, turning it past your, your bat at all times and then he does have a quicker flat one which he's just looking for your front pad. So he's attacking both edges against left-handers like good off-spinners do. Yeah. Um, but his actual physical uh, attributes being six foot two massive hands and a big spinner of the ball is what really sets him apart it's really funny that because i remember playing with a few young lads for hopping and creek club they were they, they suddenly had a growth spurt and someone turned around and said to me god what a shame that they're bowling off spin why aren't they bowling you know why aren't they bowling 80 miles an hour they're six foot three but actually that height is such an advantage to a spinner like suleiman ben was very successful wasn't he when he was west indies spinner he's very tall Graham Swan's quite a tall, tall guy. Um, mm. And I think the other one on Simon Harmer as well, and even Graham Swan, do you think age has, is a factor in this? Is you get become a better spinner the older you get because you learn your craft way more. You buy, like, spinners aren't bowling very many overs in the first class at the moment, so it is going to take them a bit longer to develop. And therefore, we're selecting spinners very young at the moment. You know, Don Bess was early 20s. Um, when I, I think was, he might have even been 19 when he got And I think that would be Exactly. And it seems as though they're selecting these spinners from the county game based on the fact that they um, can develop. It's actually, why not wait until someone's a bit older to have bowled however many overs, thousands of overs? Um, you know, I, I suppose we did it with Gareth Batty a little bit, but I would say you probably didn't pursue with him because there was Moe Nally maybe. But maybe we're not selecting spinners old enough. But actually, the age isn't really a factor in terms of their development if they're not bowling look at Parkinson who's probably late 20s now he's at that age really where he should be at his peak as a bowler yeah but he probably hasn't bowled enough in Red Bull cricket in the last five years and he's probably one of the only spinners that has had a nailed on place in that Lancashire side but still yeah. in the last couple of years early season they've left him out occasionally look mm. at Mason Crane's development at Hampshire as well it's the same actually the, the age is less relevant than how much bowling they've done and mm. if they're doing lots of bowling, maybe by 24, 25, you might develop quicker. But actually, 
if they're not bowling so much, it might be 35 before they're fully developed in terms of their, their bowling now. Chef, we've, um, there's a few, like, every single podcast we seem to complain about something about the EC, that the ECB are doing. But if you are a, um, you are a... credit to me for that. But no, yeah, no, well, well, no, hopefully I'll compliment you in a minute because you are a, you know, you're a successful administrator in the London Wayfarers Hockey Club, a successful businessman. What, what, how would you strategically go, if you're the ECB, how are you looking at all these problems? What, what would your first thing to do to get in there and solve a lot of these problems that we've been talking about? How would you go about that? What in terms of um gee, that's a good question. I've, I've not, not really... everything. I mean, there's we've we've brought up issues, balls, pitches, spinners, development, young people, selection, like all of this stuff that someone's coming into to having to try and sort out. How how yeah. how do you go about from a business sense of trying to sort all this sort of stuff out? Well, I think I mean I, you know, I I'm convinced and I know that there have always been uh strategies, uh plans that they develop and, and have people involved. Um, uh, to try to run it. I think the only th- the, the problem that the ECB probably has is that uh, they probably want to take something in a, di- in a, sp- a specific direction, and there's a but there's a, there's challenges around the calendar and what's the priority in terms of international cricket at any given stage. Then the, they've got so many stakeholders in the game, from commercial to um, to counties, who all have different priorities, and, and trying to align all of that just takes a huge amount of time. And if you zoom in and focus on one particular issue, uh, you're probably going to something else will slip out of your hands that you thought you had under control. Um, and I think that's where it, it's it's quite difficult. I think to 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 keep uh, to keep an eye and a lid on everything really. Um, so yeah, I think. An integrated approach is not necessarily that easy, um, uh, but it does mean it, it is about defining where you'd like to be in ten years' time, uh, yeah. and and decide uh, who's involved in that uh, decision-making process and, and developing those plans. I, I wouldn't necessarily have an answer to that straight away, uh, without really having an understanding of where things have gone wrong. Uh, I think if you're just looking at individual elements like a spin bowler, yeah, what could you do? I think, um, yeah, they've tried different uh, avenues. Um, how about setting up youth development and having them uh, go on uh, on different paths in terms of maybe send them abroad, uh, get some different experiences elsewhere. Yeah. But again, it's, yeah, it's, that's just because of what you've experienced in the last five years and what's not yeah. worked. You're addressing it. So I would say that's not what Strauss is doing at the moment. Anyone. Hmm? Is that not what Andrew Strauss is doing at the moment, the high performance review? I didn't yeah. see the first findings of that would play the first two rounds of championship action abroad somewhere else every year. Yeah. Just to develop, you know, play them in Sri Lanka and 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 suddenly see see Tim Murta in 42 degree heat, see if see if it's quite this effective. I suppose so. What you're saying, yeah, I mean, it's true. Mind <laughs> you, um, Tim Mountain bowled in 42 degree heat last week. So, what, what do I know? Yeah, I mean, I suppose what you're saying there, Chev, is look at what's gone wrong previously, look at your priorities for the next five to 10 years, and then maybe you can work backwards from there. Well, yeah, I would, that's definitely what I would do because obviously you're not going to, even though you know what you, where you want to end up, you're going to be looking at the next two or three years and then continue to evolve whatever you, the plans are that you've developed. I think yeah. the problem with the what the ECB has faced over the last, and, and, and clubs and, and counties as well, over the last uh, 10 years or so, is that uh, there's, you know, the game has been impacted by these 
new um, uh, formats that have really come to life yeah. uh, with the, um, the franchises that have an impact. The whole financial model behind it has changed. Um, and then there's still, and so it feels like some of the system has been left behind, uh, uh, but they still have a, a significant uh, stake in, in what's actually happening in the game itself. But yeah. then the development has, has, has completely moved in a different direction. So, yeah, I think uh, that's where I would start. But uh, and that oh. work. I'm sure there's clever enough people within the ECB who are trying to do that. It's, it just depends on where they they believe their priorities are and whether they are commercially driven or developing the game. I think they've, they've put emphasis on the, the one-day uh, team uh, and, and done that very successfully. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we're unable to then also keep that same impetus on uh, county cricket and uh, test cricket at the same time. But yeah i would say it's so different it's also difficult to do that big challenge talking of your different formats though we do have this round obviously of the county championship don't we and then uh the next one is the, is it the second of august the royal one day royal london one day cup starts we got the second and third of august so second uh, so the one day cup starts first and then the hundred to the day after uh, yeah. from what i what i remember that's so, it Okay, so this is the next round. So who's who? So this is the last round before the next, for the next sort of big break, isn't it? In terms of first class stuff. So we wrap up with with any changes. My changes. I've gone. Uh, Briggs has come in. Cox is out as well, and I brought in Tattersall this week. Tattersall seems to be in a bit of form. I reckon. Um, anyone else? Who, who's who else has got some changes? It's the one for me. Uh, Colin Ingram is off to the Caribbean Premier League for September, so he's out and Sir Alistair Cook is in. Ah, a stalwart. Very nice. Very nice. A, legend. a legend. He is a legend, yeah. Hugh, what are your changes? Just one for me, um, Shane Snater coming in for Lyndon James. Um, decided I needed a little bit more bowling from my bowlers, um, despite Lyndon James's prolific run scoring record and I also figured at five you might be a bit low against Sussex's meagre attack. I think with Hamid, Slater, Duckett and Clark, they might fill their boots. You might not even get a go. So um, <laughs> I brought, brought an actual bowler in for, for for Lyndon James. Although I do like the look of Lyndon James. I think this. Well, you said you brought Shane Slater in. I did, yeah. Shane Slater. Oh, but then you said an actual bowler. Can <laughs> <laughs> oh, you all tag him next? Oh, no. no more of that. No you can't. You know, you can't say that. Snape has actually had... If we're, t- if we're talking about someone having a decent season, he's one of them. I just thought I'd insult two people in one sentence. James. Yeah, thank you. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, only one change. Cha- I'll just move on quickly so that yeah, we're not... Uh, uh, I, I just made one change. Um, Harry Brook is out. Um, uh, he's not playing this week. Yeah. Well, he is, but not for, uh, not for Yorkshire. Um, and I uh, brought Ben Duckett in. Um, it was a bit of a toss-up, but yeah, one change for, for this round, and then we'll save the uh, the, the final trades for the uh, the last four rounds in September. Where do the last four rounds pick up? End of August, uh, September fourth or fifth, I think. It's a yeah. lot of rounds in September, isn't it? Interesting. Hopefully, the weather holds. Um, yeah, perfect. Well, that sounds good. Thank you, guys. That's been a nice, short and sweet episode, I think, this week. Um, hopefully, we haven't offended anyone. I must say that all opinions are our own. Um, And sorry if anyone is offended by 
badge of watch, but we'll move it on. So. Is there anything you'd like to say, Spenny? Uh, maybe no, I think we'll just wrap up the episode uh, there, lads. Um, and just say thank you to all the listeners. And um, it was a great episode last week, which brought in record listens. And hopefully this week we'll do the same. Um, so thank you very much to listen to Badger Watch, which is an unspun cricket production. Um, and yeah, we'll leave it there. See you guys in time for the Royal London One Day Cup and the 100. Thank you.